The Greatest Christmas Story Ever Told by Gabe Evans Once upon a time, there was the greatest Christmas story ever told. This is that story. Part 1. The Siege Close your eyes. Imagine snow, the kind of snow that goes on forever. Then, bam! Two snowmobiles burst through the snow, slicing through like pizza cutters on a warm slice of za. These two snowmobilias are Alden and Terry. They look like they bought one of everything in a North Face catalog. Well, because they did. Skid! Alden and Terry dismount their snow beasts. Alden unpacks a large tarp, and Terry removes a thermos from his bag and pours a piping hot cup of hot chocolate. Hurry up, Terry. We're on a deadline here. Oh, there's always time for hot chocolate. Why do we have to cover our snowmobiles anyway? Because it was in the memo, Terry. It said cover up the snowmobiles with the tarp and snow, and then make a snowman using the snowman accessories baggie. Besides, if you're gonna ask questions, I'd probably ask why we're at the North Pole trying to capture a magical elf. True. Alden hoists the tarp over their snowmobiles. Shovel, shovel, perfect camouflage. Terry rolls a large snowball, and Alden removes the snowman accessories baggie. Oh, come on, Alden. No respectable snowman looks like that. Honestly, I don't care. Mmm, is there a corncob pipe? And a button nose and two eyes made out of coal? Exactly! The only thing getting frosty out here is my butt. Now shut up. Come on, let's get going. Oh, where? Alden turns around and gestures towards a majestic giant snow hill. There. Whoa. Alden and Terry climb the hill. They look like grains of pepper against a lot of mashed potatoes. You know, I have a theory. What? Santa Claus must be a vampire. It's the only explanation that makes sense why he's been the same age all these years. I have another theory. He doesn't exist. Crunch, crunch, crunch. They're almost at the top of the hill. Terry sticks his ski pole into the ground and it clinks. <laughs> Alden, I think I found something. Forget it. Terry drops on his hands and knees and digs. He tosses clumps of snow to the side. A candy cane-striped pole rises out of the snow. No way! The North Pole. Hundreds of tiny greenhouses surround a white landing strip circle. Connected to the strip is a massive red factory with two wings. From overhead, the town looks like a big Christmas wreath. <gasps> Santa's workshop! This is the best place ever! Right then, a snowman comes to life right by them. Of course it is! It's the North Pole, the place where magic happiness and sugary sweets come together. Terry lights up and points to the snowman, who has a corncob pipe, a button nose, and, <laughs> yeah, two eyes made out of coal. <laughs> what did I tell you, Alden? Now that is a snowman who listens to Christmas music. I thought snowmen had carrot noses. Carrots make snowmen more of a snack than we'd like to admit. All you need is a match, and you can take our eyes and make a fire, and then boom, roasted carrot. <laughs> Ooh, I never thought about it that way. Enough chit-chat. We're here for business. No one can know we're here. I know you're here. Alden rips off the snowman's eyes. No one's seen us anymore. But I can tell them all about it. I'm very good at descriptions. Alden tears off the snowman's mouth and shoots him with a flamethrower. Turning him into water. Now let's get going. Fine. You're not messing this up for us. Alden and Terry sneak up to a window outside of Santa's workshop, and they peek inside. Now, Terry, 
We're looking for the head elf of toy production. Uh, how do we know which one is which? Inside, the factory is epic. It's basically like a series of the most ridiculous Rube Goldberg devices you've ever seen. Elves type names into machines, and elaborate shenanigans burst into action with thousands of chain reactions. Each machine spits out a customized toy, and another elf boxes it up, sticks a tag on it, and seals it with a kiss. Happy the elf emerges from behind the gifts, holding a clipboard and a candy cane pen. Good work, everyone! I've never been so proud to be the head elf of toy production! We're happy! Happy! happy. Go so freaking happy! Happy notices a package across the room, and she pushes a giant red button. Sirens wail, and the assembly lines stop. Nobody move! Is there a kiss on this present? I... I must have missed it. I'm so sorry, Happy. A child's Christmas is only as perfect as the kiss we give each present. We've never missed a kiss under me, and I don't plan to. Now, what do we say in Santa's workshop? All of the elves on the floor stand at attention and state the motto. See you with a kiss. kiss. Elves never miss. Exactly. Happy pushes the giant red button and the workshop resumes. Alden turns to Terry with a smirk. I think we found her. And her name is Happy. That's cute. A side door opens. Terry and Alden pivot to hide and two worker elves emerge. One of them pulls out a Christmas pipe. Nothing makes work better than a puff from the old Christmas pipe. It's a silent night, isn't it? Terry and Alden sneak up behind the elves slowly. Why do you always have to integrate Christmas carols in your everyday speech? Is that a problem? Absolutely not. It's the highest compliment I can give. Pounce! Terry and Alden cup their hands over the elves' mouths with a cloth. The elves fall asleep limp. There's too much positivity here. Terry and Alden cruise into the factory, walking casually. They are at least three feet taller than all of the elves, and their clothes fit like the Hulk trying to wear this year's fashion from the Baby Gap. A lot of elves look at Alden and Terry. Is that you, Smiley? I took a puff from the Christmas pipe and I grew this tall. We need to see Happy right away. Now what's the meaning of all of this? Alden picks Happy up with one hand. You're coming with us. Terry opens a big sack, and Alden tosses Happy inside. Why'd you do that, Smiley? They aren't elves. They're elf-nappers. Stop, Stop them! All of the elves rush Alden and Terry. What do we do now? We packed hundreds of candy canes for a reason. Now! A shower of candy canes fly through the air. The elves can't resist the sweet magic of peppermint. Candy canes! The elves jump to the floor and fight over the canes while Alden and Terry slip away. It's peppermint pandemonium! Come on, Terry, let's go. Alden and Terry rush down a steep, snow-covered hill. Whoosh! Alden uncovers the snowmobiles with one powerful pull of the tarp. Come on! Come on, come on! Terry and Alden jump in synchronization onto their snowmobiles, and they both fire up the engines. They drive fast. All of the elves run up to the top of the giant snow hill. They see the snowmobiles already in the distance. Goodbye, Happy. All of the elves start to cry. <laughs> and all of their tears turn into ice. Oh. This concludes part one of the greatest Christmas story ever told.
Stick around for part two, because it only gets greater and greater. Part two, the happy interrogation. Just like that Christmas song says, it's Christmas time in the city. New York City, in fact. Cars pack the roads with freshly cut trees strapped to their roofs. There's a Christmas wreath on every door. Children throw snowballs at each other. But then we overhear the news blaring from the TV. Time Magazine has just announced its top ten toy manufacturers of the year, and it's no surprise who's number one. I'll give you a hint. He's got a white beard, a red suit, and his name rhymes with Schmanta. That's right, Mega Toy Giant's North Pole Incorporated is in the top spot again. And in a distant second spot, you've got Toy Maker Worldwide. If you believe the old saying, first is the worst, second is the best, then Toy Maker Worldwide is the best. But let's be real, they are not. A Salvation Army bell ringer jingles his bell in front of Toy Maker Worldwide's corporate building. Right then, Alden and Terry roar up in their snowmobiles and skid to a stop. Whoosh! The Salvation Army bell ringer gets covered in snow. Merry Christmas. Shut up. Alden and Terry dismount and grab their wiggling elf-napped elf in a bag. They go in and take the elevator to a secret floor. It's clearly an interrogation room. You can tell by the basic metal table, the two-way glass, and the smell of historical tears. Alden throws the elf in a bag into the chair, and Terry unties the knot. <sighs> Happy maneuvers out of the bag and winces with a blinding light in her face. Who are you? What do you want? When I sent my men to capture a Christmas elf, I half expected them to bring back Legolas, not a cheap fairy tale stereotype. The spotlight on Happy clicks off. This booming voice belongs to Herbert F.W. Goldman, CEO of Toymaker Worldwide, and a man who hasn't worn anything other than a suit since he was four years old. Herbert F.W. Goldman, my God. You're going to tell me how your company continues to beat me year after year, and you're going to tell me down to the last little secret. I will do no such thing. Yes, you will. Alden brings in a mysterious box of items. Goldman pulls a giant candy cane out of the box and snaps it in half. Talk! No! Goldman pulls out a teddy bear and lighter fluid. <gasps> he douses the bear and sets it on fire. <laughs> Talk now! I won't say a word! Goldman goes outside and brings in an adorable wooden rocking horse. No. He slides an axe in and lets the door slam. He raises his arms. No. Axe ready to fall. Talk or the rocking horse dies. Okay, okay. I'll talk. Everything. In the 1960s, our operation started to flounder because people stopped believing in Santa Claus due to the widespread cynicism during the Vietnam War. So we decided to restructure and vertically integrate as much as possible. This meant we would no longer distribute our toys only on Christmas. We had to expand to the major toy stores as well. This is when we created the dummy company North Pole Incorporated. Do you have some hot chocolate? Water. Hot chocolate, or we stop right here. Terry grabs his thermos and hands it to Goldman. Here you go, sir. Ah, <sighs> there's always time for hot chocolate. That's what I say. Enough! You were saying? Since our operation had to be as secret as possible, we went to the other major corporations for backing. We renegotiated our contract with Coca-Cola for the rights to Santa's image, and we partnered with Macy's as a way to get the raw materials we needed at wholesale cost. Hmm, is that peppermint dust? 
and marshmallows with one pump of caramel. Oh, simply delightful. You were saying? <sighs> you see, our toys were a unique success because they are all created with Rube Goldberg devices that make our product 3% more magical than any other toy in the world. At that point, we were the clear leaders in the toy game, but then your corporation, Toymaker Worldwide, emerged as a fierce competitor. Now, we seal all our toys with a special concoction of reindeer saliva and candy cane dust to give our products a heads up. And we're still number one. Goldman sits speechless for a moment. I'm sorry, did you want this to be like a monologue, or did you want to speak back and forth? Um, will you excuse me for a moment? And in that moment, Goldman grabs Alden by the shirt and pulls him out into the hallway. He slams the door, leaving Terry inside with Happy. Goldman walks toward a giant door labeled HFWG. He swings the door open and slams it shut in one fluid motion. Alden stands outside. <coughs> Alden knocks softly on the door. It creeps open a bit. He slides in. Sir, uh, I'm assuming since you pulled me into the hallway, you wanted me to come inside. But I totally get it if you're not there right now. Get in here! Meanwhile, Happy sits in her chair in the interrogation room, and Terry stands by the door. Happy squints at Terry's face. Terry Fitzgibbons? Is that really you? Yeah, so? I didn't recognize you until now. Do you remember the baby blue tricycle you got for Christmas when you were four years old? Of course I do. How did you? I made that myself, Terry. I modified the decals on the side into lightning bolts like you asked Santa for. I even created the customized bike horn that was in the shape of... <gasps> Charlie Brown's head? Yes! Oh, it was my greatest horn modification ever. I can't believe it. Now, back in Goldman's office, he can't believe it either. Alden is trying to be supportive, but he's still working on his empathy. How am I expected to compete with that? Are you speaking to me, sir? Hypothetically, do you know how many times I've tried to get information from inside the North Pole? I... A lot! Every year I sent capable men, and every year they crumbled underneath the whims and beauty of this North Pole. And now I sent you two, and you managed to complete the mission. But what I learned is even more upsetting than not knowing. What do I do here? Maybe you could have her run your toy production? An elf in charge of toy production? Huh, that's actually not bad. I know Terry would love that. He has a thing for those little elves. I could just tell by his wonder during the mission. Goldman freezes up. Uh, you don't think he'd like the elf enough to let her go, do you? Alden opens his mouth blankly. Goldman stands up from his desk with fury in his thighs. He sprints out of the office. Stomp, 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 stomp. Goldman runs down the hallway and bursts into the interrogation room, the door swinging wide open. Happy is gone. Terry walks backward and stumbles over a chair. He presses his body against the wall. Where's the elf? Her name's Happy. You're fired! Alden stands in the doorway. Goldman turns to leave. He points his finger two millimeters away from Alden's nose. You're fired too. Happy holidays. This concludes part two of the greatest Christmas story ever told. Part three is nuts. So stay with us if you actually love Christmas. Part 3. Escape from New York. The year is 1997, and Snake Plissken has to rescue the president. Nah, just kidding. That's the plot of John Carpenter's Escape from New York from 1981. Highly recommend, though. 
It's present day. Times Square is filled with Christmas spirit and poorly dressed street performers. Happy the Elf peeks her head out from behind a corner. She's wearing Johnny Cash black sunglasses and a trench coat, but she still has her elf hat on, just so we know who she is. A couple makes out in front of the Disney store. Mm. Mm. Happy tugs at the guy's waist. Oh, hey, little buddy. Uh, yeah, excuse me, are there any payphones nearby? What the heck is a payphone? Mm. Mm. <laughs> Only poor people use payphones, or people from the 1980s. Dead end. Happy finds an elderly man sitting on a bench drinking out of a paper sack. Happy sits next to him. Hello, do you know where I can make a phone call? I don't know anything anymore. Oh, come on, elderly man. Think. You could call on my cell phone, but I don't have one. Ah! Happy doesn't look so happy. Back at Toymaker Worldwide, Goldman doesn't look so happy either. He pours himself a big gulp-sized glass of whiskey. He takes a big old drink and doesn't even wince. He reaches into his desk and pulls out a file folder that is bursting with papers. He slams it on the desk and opens it. Stupid Santa Claus! Goldman swigs the rest. He passes out. His head falls onto the papers. Darkness. We're in a black void now. Goldman falls through the papers and they fly and fall all around him as he falls in extra cool slow motion. A report hits Goldman in the face and he tears it off and looks at it. I went to spy on all of the North Pole Incorporated factories, but when I got there, all of them were empty. Empty? Yes, sir. Empty. It looks like they bought all of their buildings and never ever used them. Goldman throws the report into the void. Then another picture hits him in the face. It's a picture of a forwarded package. Hey, Herb. All right, what do you got for me? I have a friend inside the UPS who found this. It's forwarding a package from a North Pole Incorporated building to the, get this, North Pole. He says they forward over 4,000 packages a day. There is no Santa Claus. Goldman hits the ground, the bottom of the void. The papers fall all around him. Silence. Is anybody there? I can't see anything. Footsteps. They reverberate like drums in a cave. Hello? The footsteps stop. Ho, ho, ho! What is this? Some kind of sick game? Lights turn on. Bright. The black void is now a white void. A giant Santa Claus, like Stay Puffed Marshmallow Man-sized Santa Claus, looms over Goldman. Fear me! Meanwhile, at the real North Pole, Santa is not a monster. He's actually quite nice. A red rotary phone rings. Santa Claus sits at his desk, checking his list. He picks up the phone. Hello? Santa? Oh, it's me, Happy. I'm in New York City. Well, now, if my cheeks didn't just get a little rosier, it's great to hear your voice, Happy. We've all been so worried. Where are you calling from? Well, I couldn't find a payphone, and no one would let me borrow their cell, so I went to the Apple Store to make a free call from the iPhone display. Good thinking, Happy. You were always the brightest. Santa taps on his window, and a reindeer peeks in. I'm sending Dancer to come get you. Meet him at the petting zoo in Central Park. He'll be there by morning. I'll be there. She hangs up. Happy turns around, and an Apple employee startles her, literally inches away. See, now I think the green iPhone would go great with your hat, like perfectly. 
I'm sorry, I'm not interested. Now, would you like to purchase some Apple Care on your non-purchase? What? No. Happy walks away, unsure of the value of two years of Apple Care on absolutely nothing. Then, right as Happy walks out of the store, a hand covers her mouth. Happy struggles. She turns to see who it is. It's Alden. Shh. Alden bursts through the door of his apartment. He removes Happy from underneath his coat, still with a hand over Happy's mouth. If I take this hand off, do you promise not to scream? Mm-hmm. Happy nods yes. Okay. Alden removes his hand. Happy immediately spits in his face and jumps away. <laughs> now we do a little Tom and Jerry routine of Alden running around his apartment trying to catch Happy. Get back here, elf. Never! Happy jumps higher than you'd expect and propels herself off some furniture into the air. Alden jumps and swats her down. Whack! Happy falls to the floor, first hitting a mirror that literally shatters everywhere, just for dramatic effect. Oh, God. Alden moves over to Happy's limp body, surrounded by mirror shards. Alden looks at himself in the broken glass. What are you doing, Alden? Now, of course, his conscience starts talking to him from the other side of the mirror. This isn't you. I'm just so pathetic. You're not pathetic. This is your moment. You can be an elf abuser or you can change your life. Right here, right now. But doesn't that seem out of character for me? Maybe this is your first defining character moment. Now, back at Toymaker Worldwide, Goldman is still there, face down on his desk, whiskey drunk. Santa. Stupid Santa. If I can't beat him, I might as well destroy him. Goldman's eyes pop open. He sits up. I'm going to destroy Santa Claus! <laughs> Goldman continued to laugh until morning. <laughs> it's a curious thing, laughing as the sun comes up. You have to realize somewhere along the way that it's not as cool as laughing until the sun goes down. Oh well. Nevertheless, back at Alden's place, Happy wakes up underneath a comfortable blanket by a small fireplace. She has a note lying on her chest. She opens it. It reads, The world needs your magic. Forgive me. Sincerely, Alden. Happy tucks the note into her jacket and heads outside, tired. Ugh, oh, I need some coffee. She turns the corner and sees a Starbucks with a line of about 200 people. Ugh, maybe later. Happy keeps walking and finds her way to the Central Park Petting Zoo. The worker lady opens the gate. Do you want to pet the llama? Everyone gets here early to pet the llama. I'm good, thanks. Your loss. Sometimes he even spits on you for free. Happy looks to the sky and sees Dancer flying a little sleigh. Happy waves her hands. Dancer lands with a running stop. Whoa. I know, right? <laughs> Merry Christmas! Happy pets Dancer's head, and Dancer smiles. Happy gets in. Dancer takes a running start and flies off. And it's always a pretty magical experience, honestly. Happy knows it. I know it. Dancer knows it. We all know it. I really wish there was a Starbucks nearby. Dancer neighs. No way. Really? Dancer neighs again. We can't understand him, but Happy does. Let's make a pit stop. It's coffee time, baby. Dancer lands at a Starbucks in the middle of nowhere. Literally, in a field covered in ice with nothing around for miles. There's a polar bear standing in line right behind Happy. 
Yes, uh, I'll take the venti mocha frappuccino. Make that too. Yeah, 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 yeah. The polar bear talks, but the reindeer doesn't deal with it. Whoosh! The sleigh takes off with a burst of purpose. They fly over a mountain of snow, and it reveals the North Pole. All of the elves, Santa, and Mrs. Claus are waiting at the town center for Happy and Dancer to land. Dancer comes to a perfect stop. Everyone cheers. Yay! Yay! Welcome back, Happy. Oh, glad to be back. Now, let's get back to work. Not so fast. Santa gestures to the crowd of elves, and Mrs. Claus reveals a hand-crocheted love seat. I crocheted this for you, my dear Happy. <laughs> She's the best, isn't she? Moments later, Santa and Happy meet in Santa's office. Hmm. And he seemed pretty angry. Very. That's not good. Why not, Santa? I didn't think we cared about the competition. Oh, we don't. But Happy... There's something about Herbert F.W. Goldman that I haven't told you. He's not just a rival to North Pole Incorporated. He's also the only child to have never believed in Santa Claus. <gasps> There's no telling what he might do. My God. My God, indeed. At that exact moment, halfway across the globe, Goldman steps into a toy store. An employee greets him. Can I help you find something, sir? You could help me find a way to destroy Santa Claus. Well, I can't help you there, but he's definitely destroying sales records with the fun game, that's for sure. Maybe he could send us more so we're not always running out of stock. Maybe I can help with that. <laughs> this concludes part three of the greatest Christmas story ever told. You didn't know we'd be ending with a cliffhanger, did you? Well, you should. This is a story, after all. <laughs> Part 4. The Fun Game Fiasco As Christmas Day grows near, every day feels more magical. The stockings are getting pre-stuffed. Cookies are baking in ovens 24-7. And it smells like happiness. And then, special news report. This just in. Our news desk just received some viewer-submitted images taken this morning of a UFO. On screen, there's a picture of a reindeer flying a small sleigh, happy and dancer, caught on camera. Or as we're calling it, UFOMG is that Santa Claus. We are also getting reports of similar pictures taken in Canada and at a desolate Starbucks somewhere near the Arctic Circle. And as always, we're on the scene to learn more. Hi, Mr. Polar Bear. We heard you encountered the UFO's passenger and that you ordered the same venti mocha frappuccino. Back to you, Don. In other news, North Pole Incorporated's newest line of affordable holiday toys continue to impress, specifically the fun game. Just listen to this catchy jingle. There's nothing more fun than the fun game, fun game, fun has a name and it's fun game, fun game. Fun game! Alden stands in front of a storefront window, bopping his head to the fun game jingle. He's clearly had a change of heart from when we first met him. He twirls around mid-dance and... Smack! Oh, God! Alden smacks into Madison, a kind-looking soul, who's carrying a large stack of boxes. The boxes wiggle, destined for the pavement. No! No, 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 no! Oh! Crash! Boxes scatter everywhere. Oh, no. I can't carry these uptown like this. I have a lot of tape. I, I live around the corner. 
hope that's not a pickup line. Are you sure I wouldn't be imposing? I've got all the time in the world. I just lost my job. I guess lucky for me, my name's Madison. Alden, sorry we had to meet like this. Alden helps collect the boxes and walks Madison to his place. He has a curious amount of tape in a cabinet. They start patching the boxes. So, when did you lose your job? About 12 hours ago, because my co-worker let an elf out of the room. I think they prefer the term little people. Well, that little person just got a get-out-of-jail card from me. I'm not sure what that means, but it sounds like you did something nice. You're right. I guess I'm just using this job loss as an opportunity to try something different. Meanwhile, at the North Pole, elves carry stacks of boxes labeled Fun Game and maneuver them into giant crates. Happy counts with her eyes and checks inventory on her clipboard. Santa comes in and pats Happy on the shoulder. How are we doing? We'll have all 17 million units ready to ship in under an hour. Oh, that gives me enough time to drink 12 ounces of eggnog with the missus. <laughs> and just as Santa's eggnog is warm and ready for a sprinkle of nutmeg, we find Goldman in a high-tech toy laboratory ready to cause chaos. He sits at a computer. He's designing a box. He installs a font package called FunGameFont.TTF. He types in the name FunGame. <laughs> naughty, naughty. Goldman creates a mold out of plastic and sprays it with chemicals. He presses it into a cardboard sheet. He mixes a few vials, and the result is neon toxicity. Goldman prints a sticker and presses it on the package. It says, do not open until Christmas. He looks at his creation, a perfect recreation of the fun game. <laughs> fun indeed. The next day, a horde of North Pole Incorporated semi-trucks drive down the highway. Going the opposite direction are a mega fleet of unmarked white semi-trucks. A North Pole Incorporated semi-truck backs up to a loading dock. The dock opens, and the manager comes out to greet the elf driver. I wasn't expecting a double shipment. We just got a fun game shipment not an hour ago. Meanwhile, at the North Pole, Santa plays catch with a reindeer. Happy walks up with a newspaper. Our stock rose this much today. Santa peeks at the paper. <laughs> Ever since the reindeer photos, Christmas is oversaturating the news cycle. Even more than usual. That means everyone is booking any story they can find. And our former elf napper Terry has been given a prime slot because of his Facebook group called Over 30 and I Believe Santa is Real. With a moderately viral video that was really just ad boosted with 500 bucks. And what is it that your organization is trying to do? We're acting as a comfortable place where grown-ups and children alike can talk about believing. And most specifically, in Santa Claus, is that correct? That's correct, Michael. I've seen the North Pole firsthand, so I believe it is my duty to bring some of that magic to everyone else who believes. And if Santa were here right now, what would you say to him? Uh, probably, I'm sorry for elf-napping your staff. Right. This year's Toys for Tots drive has been an unprecedented success, raising over three times as many toys as in any other years. And the most popular gift to be given, you guessed it, the fun game. We've got an official word that all units are sold out all across the world. Unbelievable! Later that day, love is in the air. And this time, it's not a falling box and tape meet cute from a romantic comedy. Madison walks down the street, one arm holding hands with Justin, her five-year-old son, and the other arm steadying a big, overstuffed shopping bag. Schmack! 
she runs into someone. Oh, I'm so, so sorry. It's Alden. This time, it's not boxes falling. It's bags. <laughs> we have to stop meeting like this. You're right. Justin, this is Alden. Hi. Would you like to join us for dinner tonight? I think it would be good for Justin. Are you assuming that I'm still unemployed? That I have nowhere better to be? Oh, I'm so sorry. I didn't mean... Don't worry. Still no job. I was kidding. It's Christmas Eve, and you know what that means. It's Santa time. Mrs. Claus walks in, finding Santa doing his pre-chimney stretches. Do you need anything, honey? Oh, I don't think so. I'm just working my abs so I don't get stuck in any chimneys this year. <laughs> I'm so proud of you. I'm proud of all of us. I truly believe this is going to be the best Christmas ever. Any Christmas with you is the best Christmas ever. I love you. And I love you back. A big bell rings outside. Well, I guess that's me. Off to fight the old war between good and evil. And evil never wins. Santa leaves, blowing Mrs. Claus a kiss. Mwah. Meanwhile, at Toymaker Worldwide, an office assistant walks into Goldman's office with a report. She hands it to Goldman. We just received the final numbers and they don't look good. Doesn't matter. Because if there's one thing I know about the market, is that what is up must come down. Okay, well, Merry Christmas. At Madison's place, Alden and Madison eat Christmas Eve dinner. Justin is in the background, playing with some mac and cheese, like a total five-year-old would. I really want to thank you. For what? I haven't met a nice guy since Justin's dad died, and it's just great knowing that they're still out there. Right then, Justin smashes a handful of mac and cheese into his own face. He's a good kid. I got him a present, you know. Oh, you didn't have to do that. Madison takes Alden's hand. She smiles. I have a present for you, too. Madison gives Alden a kiss. No need for mistletoe. Time jump! It's Christmas morning, baby! Justin runs out of his room and finds Alden and Madison in the kitchen making hot chocolate. Well, Merry Christmas, little guy. Merry Christmas. Mr. Alden gave you a present. Can you say thank you? Thank you. Alden hands him the wrapped gift. Justin tears it open. It's the fun game. Oh, my gosh. Justin runs by the tree and sits down. He opens it and starts playing with all of the pieces. Look at him all happy. Justin starts screaming. His hands turn red and start swelling. His face balloons like he's been stung by a thousand bees. <laughs> Madison picks him up and starts stroking his forehead. Oh, it's okay, baby. Alden grabs their coats and rushes to the door. He hails a taxi. Hospital, quick. Can we try using our quiet voice scream, okay? Okay. The hospital is literally gridlocked at the emergency room. Alden jumps out of the taxi and opens the door for Madison. Justin in her arms. Madison looks up and sees hundreds of taxis crowded in the emergency entrance. What is going on here? Madison runs in and the room is packed with bloated, sick children. Do you want me to help fill out the paperwork? Don't you think you've done enough? Leave us alone. I don't ever want to see you again. And that concludes part four of the greatest Christmas story ever told. To be honest, the parts are really just made up, so this next part is literally just a continuation. Part five. The evil master plan continues. Imagine pure chaos. And then imagine it on Christmas Day with children. Even the Joker couldn't cause this much anarchy. 
The most popular present this holiday season is the fun game, but it's not proving to be fun at all. Hospitals in Los Angeles, New York, Chicago, and Dallas are reporting an estimated 70,000 children hospitalized due to an unknown contaminant found inside their fun game presents. Our investigative team has found more. Connie? That's right, Don. We've attempted to contact anyone from North Pole Incorporated about these contaminants, but so far we haven't heard from anyone. This North Pole Incorporated building behind me appears to be completely vacated, and that is the case for all of the other buildings owned by the company across the nation. Once we find more, you'll hear it here first. Thanks, Connie. With such a tragedy on the happiest day of the year, it's hard to believe in anything anymore. And to those who have sparked our interest in Santa Claus, we ask you this. If this is what the real Santa Claus does, is he even worth believing in? At the North Pole, Santa turns off a TV. He's standing in front of a factory filled with elves. How could this happen? I don't know, sir. Did anything strange happen during the delivery? Two shipments went to the store I delivered to. The elves look around, all raising their hands. Mine too. Mine, mine too. too. Mine too. Mine too. Mine too. Mine too. Mine too. Find out where all of those shipments went to and check all of our machines. We already checked all the machines. We'll check them again. Santa loses his cool and walks into his office, giving his door a firm shut. Not quite a slam because that's not in Santa's DNA. Mrs. Claus rubs Santa's shoulders. He watches TV. You shouldn't raise your voice at the elves, dear. This is our reputation, honey. A reputation that has been challenged many times over the years. A wise man once told me to keep your head straight, because otherwise you'll hit your head in the chimney. Did I say that? <laughs> oh, thank you, dear. Santa turns up the volume on the TV news story. It's a reporter and a scientist, so it's got to be good information. We have here one of the contaminated fun games in its entirety. What can you tell us, Mr. Scientist? It appears all of the contents on the inside of the box are laced with the fusion of two dangerous toxins. Santa gets up close to the TV. He points at the reporter holding the fun game box. Did you see that? See what? That box isn't sealed with a kiss. It's not from our workshop. Well, where is it from, then? Santa turns to the TV, rubbing his beard inquisitively. I guess we're finding out that Santa watches a lot of nightly news on television. Live on the scene from Toymaker Worldwide, another reporter interviews Goldman. What do you think about the contamination in the fun game products? Oh, obviously I think it's tragic. Our complete line of toys are contaminant-free, and we stand by our claim that children are important, even if North Pole Incorporated doesn't. <laughs> Santa puts on his coat, determined. I'll be back. At Toymaker Worldwide, Goldman walks into his office and shuts the door. He sees a present on his desk. He opens it. It's a lump of coal. Goldman looks around. Santa appears behind him. How could you? Santa Claus. So we finally meet. All those children! They learned a valuable lesson. Don't buy from North Pole Incorporated. Oh, I know it was you. <laughs> you have no proof. I can't prove it. Santa heads to the door. Leaving so soon? <laughs> well, before you go, I thought you'd like to know that I might have leaked the coordinates of your precious workshop to media outlets across the globe. 
I don't know much about the law, but I'm pretty sure just being there would warrant some kind of arrest for an act of terrorism against innocent children. You're a monster! Finally, a compliment. Santa leaves and runs up a staircase to the roof exit. Santa bursts out and he sees Dancer and his sleigh tied up by a group of workers. Goldman emerges from another staircase. Your elf said something about magical reindeer saliva. I think I could use that. <laughs> Santa reaches into his pocket and pulls out a pouch. He takes a pinch and sprinkles himself with a magical gold dust. Santa, out. Santa flies off into the sky. He looks down. Hundreds of news vans speed in his direction. Santa closes his eyes and concentrates. He makes fists with white-knuckled intensity. He opens his eyes. Santa blasts off much faster than before. Boom! He broke the sound barrier because he's so hardcore, bro. Seconds later at the North Pole, Santa lands with a bang in a super awesome superhero pose. All of the elves peek from their houses. It's Santa! Santa! A swarm of elves surround Santa. Santa wipes his jacket off and removes a baby bird from his beard. He raises his arms to the crowd. Operation Jingle Bells is a go, everyone. For the sake of you, your families, and your futures, we must do what we hoped would never need to happen. We must evacuate the North Pole. Happy pushes her way to the front of the crowd. But Santa... There must be another way! There's no time to explain. Take only what you can carry. We must be gone within the hour. Moments later, in an archetypal elf household, tensions are high. An elf stands outside his window with an open bag. His wife throws items into it, tossing from the doorway inside. She misses one toss, and a shirt falls to the ground. I got it, honey. The elf leans down and picks up the shirt, and when he looks up, it's a dramatic moment. He stands, frozen. His wife comes out, eyes looking into the distance. We have to go. Now! A black wall of news vans roars towards them. Whoosh! Santa uncovers a trap door in the snow. He pulls the heavy metal wheel on top until it hisses open. A control panel. Santa punches some buttons, and a giant wall of inflatable lifeboats burst through the snow and ice. A hole opens in the ground. Elves crowd around and continue to run toward the spot. Santa projects his voice. One boat for every family? Follow the tunnel to the water? Then float to safety. In case we never meet again, good luck. Mrs. Claus walks up to Santa and hugs him. Millions of news vans approach the edge of the city. The snow-covered landscape looks like it's covered in a sheet of black ants. I think I see something ahead. That must be it. The North Pole. Unbelievable. Are you ready to roll? Almost. This is going to be the story of the century. No, no, no. It's going to be the greatest story ever told. At the end of the escape tunnel is an epic, icy underground cave. Santa and Mrs. Claus help elves into their lifeboats. The cave rumbles violently. Santa looks to Mrs. Claus. I don't know if the ice can support their weight. Santa looks up and sees a hairline crack in the ice above. Hurry! Thousands of lifeboats float off. The last elves run to get to their boats in the water. Above ground, the media rushes a few hundred yards from the edge of town, from every direction. It feels like Helm's Deep, but even more epic. A giant gash separates in the center of town. The rumble of the vans grows deafening. The center of the town collapses. Icy water swirls a hundred feet below. A news van stops at the edge of town. A news reporter jumps out. 
Their cameraman follows. I can't believe it. Look at all the tiny houses. The cameraman drops his camera. He looks down the streets. My God. Cracks spread through the streets like lightning. Houses collapse into nothingness by the hundreds. Thousands of reporters and cameramen see the sinkhole spreading. Run! Underground, giant ice blocks fall from the ceiling. Santa pushes his boat into the water. That's everyone. Let's go. He reaches out to Mrs. Claus. She gets in the boat. She looks back. Wait, look! A baby elf cries as ice falls all around him. Mrs. Claus jumps out of the boat and runs for the baby. Honey, no! Mrs. Claus dodges falling ice and grabs the baby elf. The tunnel collapses hard behind her. She runs. She tosses Santa the baby elf. Here, catch! And he catches it. Mrs. Claus looks back and a tear runs down her face. She looks to Santa. I'll always love you! Smash! She's covered by an avalanche of falling ice. He screams. No! Ice crushes into the water and propels his boat. He looks back and hugs the baby elf. On the surface, smoke and ice settle. Thousands and thousands of news vans surround the gigantic hole in the ice that was once the North Pole. My God, what have we done? This concludes part five of the greatest Christmas story ever told. Stick around for part six, because honestly, if you opted out here, you'd be insensitive to Mrs. Claus's memory. Part six, small town Santa Claus, ocean waves. Water gently laps the sand and takes it out to sea. Then a large wave pushes a lifeboat onto shore, right into a rock. The boat deflates. Santa Claus's eyes open, and he's holding the baby elf in an embrace. Their clothes are tattered, to the point where it looks like Santa is just wearing beat-up red clothing. Santa stands and walks inland. He's in some small coastal Texas town. His stomach rumbles. He sees a diner down the way, and he walks towards it. Jingle, jingle. Santa enters the diner and is greeted by Jane, a waitress with southern hospitality in her veins. What can I do you for? We're hungry. Well then, you've certainly come to the right place. Jane grabs some menus and walks off. She stops. Santa isn't following. Well, come on. They sit down in a booth, and Santa feeds the baby elf applesauce with a little spoon. A wall-mounted TV set shows the news. It grabs Santa's attention. Just days after the tragic figurative and literal crumbling of North Pole Incorporated's headquarters, the interest in bringing the company to justice for its fun game poisonings has waned. As a fellow toy maker, what are your feelings about this, Mr. Goldman? Well, personally, I think it's absurd. In this world market, you have to take responsibility for your own actions. And even if Johnny Law and the media stop investigating, I want everyone to know that I'll have someone on the job 24-7 until justice is served. You heard it here, folks. Herbert F.W. Goldman is a regular vigilante. I deeply care about children. Santa turns back to his food and takes it down. Jane walks up with a check. Look at that happy face plate. A dog couldn't have done it no better. Santa smiles. How do you want to take care of this, sir? Santa reaches into his pockets and pulls out a little felt bag. He peeks inside and it's filled with gold coins. He hands it to her, picks up the baby elf, and heads out the door. Jane runs out of the diner and catches up with Santa. Look, mister, I can't accept all this. 
It'd be stealing or, or kind of stealing of sorts. What do you mean? Either this is fake gold, you're pulling a fast one, or it's real and it's a whole lot of money. Now, which one is it? I don't know. What do you mean you don't know? I don't remember anything. I don't know who I am. And right then, the baby elf starts crying. <coughs> Tragic. Meanwhile, back in New York City, Happy walks the streets looking homeless and ragged. She reaches into her pockets and pulls out a note from Alden. The world needs your magic. Forgive me. Sincerely, Alden. Happy smiles. She makes her way to Alden's building. Happy knocks on the door. It opens. Alden doesn't see anything. Then he looks down. I thought you could help an elf in need. Come in. Alden and Happy sit at the dining room table. Happy sips a cup of hot chocolate. I had never been so scared and I felt so alone. And that's when I reached into my pocket and found your note. I realized then that there was still some good in this world. So all of the elves, Santa, the reindeer, everything have gone their own ways. It's a new beginning. Santa's workshop was the only world I ever knew. Did you have a Merry Christmas? No. Flashback. Alden's memories hit him like a rock. Just leave us alone. I don't ever want to see you again. Alden shakes out of his flashback. His eyes are dead inside. I'm sorry to hear that. Suddenly, Alden grabs Happy's head fast ah! and injects her with a syringe. What are you doing? I should have never let you out of my sight. Happy falls limp. Alden bags her up and heads to Toymaker Worldwide. Meanwhile, a private meeting is happening in Goldman's office with Max Morrow, private investigator. So what exactly do you want me to find out for you, Mr. Goldman? I want proof, Mr. Morrow. The people of this country, uh, of this world, need to know who is responsible. And they need to know with certainty. If I can speak freely, my investigations have never led me to explore the supernatural before. And frankly, proving that Santa Claus is real and also a supervillain seems like pure fantasy. He's real. I've met him. I've spent my life not believing, and now that I'm certain he exists, I'm also certain he's as dangerous as they come. Goldman pushes a button on his desk, and a metal cage rises from the floor. Dancer struggles to get free, but he's bound thoroughly. He's levitating. Impossible. I assure you, nothing is. Right then, Alden bursts through the door, carrying a heavy sack. He speaks to Goldman. You're gonna wanna talk to me. Goldman turns to Max Morrow. Get started. Find proof, find the man, and we'll find justice. Max Morrow tips his hat and leaves. Give me one good reason why I shouldn't call security right now. Because you're not just going to hire me back. You're going to give me a promotion. Alden tosses the bag to Goldman, and he catches it. Goldman unties the binding and removes a very limp Happy the Elf. She'll come to in an hour or so. Do we have a deal? Back in Texas, Santa still has no memory, and Jane has invited him and the baby elf back to her place. She knows they have no place to go. Well, I called my friend John. He's a real nice guy who knows how to find things. And he wants to meet you tomorrow to help. But that means you're going to have to suffer tonight by sleeping on my couch. That's very kind of you. 
Jane throws together a makeshift crib and tucks the baby elf in. It's nothing. Sometimes I wake up not feeling like myself, so I can't imagine what it'd be like if I woke up not knowing who I was. Thank you so much. Uh... Jane, I can't believe I forgot to introduce myself. And I suppose you don't remember your name, so I won't even ask you. Good night. Good night, Jane. Nighttime. Somewhere in a large urban city. No creature was stirring. Not even a mouse. Then a white, unmarked van rolls up into the middle of the street. The doors open, and eight people dressed in black disperse. The faint rattle of spray paint cans fills the air. Each person holds a cutout stencil to the wall and sprays it. They run back to the van and drive off. The wet paint drips slightly over an image of Santa's face with the words, I believe in Santa Claus. This concludes part six of the greatest Christmas story ever told. Will Santa get his memory back? Will Happy escape from Toymaker Worldwide? Who are all these new characters? A private investigator and a waitress? Stick around to find out. Part 7, Toymaker Takeover. You know the kinds of places you never trust? Like a shipyard with large containers, or a warehouse with lots of broken windows. Well, that's where we are right now. Happy the elf hangs from shackles on her elf hands. Her legs are secured to the wall by two more. Her eyes squint. Happy sees a cage on the other side of the room. Dancer is inside. She shakes violently with no result. Clap, clap, clap. Goldman walks out of the darkness into Happy's view. So we meet again. Happy shakes again. Goldman laughs. <laughs> Did you get a chance to read the newspaper this morning? Here's the front page headline. Toymaker Worldwide announces new production team. Big plans. That's your trusted friend Alden on the cover, right? Shaking my hand. Oh, how funny. You're a monster. Everyone keeps saying that. It's starting to feel good. <laughs> Meanwhile, back at the diner, Jane has successfully set up a meeting between Santa and her friend John to try and help Santa's situation. Pleased to meet you. Same here. I have one good lead for you, and then I've got two bad ones. I'll cut to the chase, John. An old man that fits your description owns a ranch 20 miles from here. The mailman reported him missing when he couldn't stuff any more letters in his mailbox. That sounds good. What did the guy do? They didn't say what he did. His name is Rudolph Prancer. Does that sound familiar to you? I think it does. <laughs> yes! Vroom. A Ford truck flies down a country road. A mailbox with a big milk jug underneath it pokes into the road. It reads, Prancer. The truck pulls in. A big wooden house sits at the end of a long driveway. It looks like what the Texas Chainsaw Massacre house would have looked like if it had heart. Jane, John, Baby Elf, and Santa get out of the truck. Check if you got any keys. Santa reaches into his pockets and digs around. He pulls out a bell and jingles it. Hmm, I don't have any. Well, we can't get inside unless we know it's your place, can we? Behind them. A group of reindeer fly in the sky, responding to the jingle. They settle down in the field and walk toward Santa. How is a man who lost his memory supposed to remember where he put his keys? 
I bet I can jimmy it open. No, Jing. The reindeer all reach Santa and start licking him and nuzzling their heads against him. <laughs> oh, um, um, guys. See? Looks like those deer know their owner. She pops open the door. It creaks open. Ah, hot diggity. Back at the sketchy toy maker worldwide warehouse, Santa's jingle sound has made Dancer go crazy. Dancer screams and bangs against his cage. Dancer, what's wrong? Dancer bounces harder, clanging against the metal. A guard walks in and hits the cage with a metal stick. Stop it. Dancer goes nuts. The guard turns to Happy. What's wrong with him? How should I know? Don't play games with me, elf. Elsewhere, Max Morrow is privately investigating. He's at a pier, it appears. Hey, that rhymed. A large dock stretched into the distance. Its main purpose is for summer fun and boat rentals. Max Morrow flips down the lip of his fedora to shade his eyes. A boat guy meets him on the dock. They shake hands. Max Morrow, pleased to meet ya. They're right this way. The boat guy swings open the doors to a large shed. There's hundreds of inflatable lifeboats. And are you sure they're not from around here? No one's reported anything missing. And when did you find them? They were hard to miss. They were scattered all along the coastline over a few miles. It was right before New Year's. Max scribbles something down on his notepad. Hundreds of miles away at a secret toy testing facility, Goldman and Alden sit behind a two-sided glass window. They're looking in on a bunch of test subjects in a room filled with toys. A toy scientist comes in with a report. The results have been fascinating. We've mixed our sample toys thoroughly with a variety of others, and test after test, the ones dabbed with your secret solution have come out on top. The toy scientist speaks into a walkie-talkie. Please send in group number one. A group of children enter the room. They each walk up to different toys and end up playing with one. The toy scientist pushes a button on the wall and the glass tints. The toys the children are holding glow green, like under a black light. As you can see, they all chose one of the altered toys. It's almost unfair. Nothing is unfair if you're on the winning end. Goldman's cell phone rings. He picks it up. Hello, I'll be there as soon as I can. Goldman hangs up. He turns to Alden. Start production on the new line and make sure every toy is dipped. Alden nods. Goldman gets up. If you don't mind me asking, what is in the secret solution? Uh, magic reindeer saliva and candy cane dust. Goldman breaks out into laughter. <laughs> Good one, sir. <laughs> Now that Alden is a bad guy again and a result of a broken heart and fun game Christmas time trauma, we should check in on Madison, who by now has cooled down and regrets pushing Alden away. So let's do that. Madison sits by her bedside. She tucks her phone between her ear and shoulder. Hi, Alden. Um, I'm calling to say that I'm sorry. I never left a good message, so I was hoping I could catch you at this hour. But anyway, um, I didn't want to leave things the way that we did. Justin is doing fine, and he wanted me to tell you thanks for your present. Someone at school taught him that it's really the thought that counts. Isn't that funny? I saw your picture in the paper. You look charming as usual. Oh, <laughs> please call me. Alden sits in the darkness at his apartment, holding a giant glass of whiskey. His phone lights up. New message from Madison. Now that I have a job, I'm worth your time, huh? 
Alden deletes the message without even listening to it. He takes a deep sip of whiskey. This concludes part seven of the greatest Christmas story ever told. Actually, I'm starting to think these parts don't really make much sense. It just felt right structurally before, but we'll roll with it. Part eight, Sleepwalker Santa. Santa sleeps in his bed at the Prancer residence. He murmurs and gets up. <laughs> He's sleepwalking. Oh, the weather outside is frightful. Santa stumbles into a dresser and feels the walls as he walks. <laughs> he walks from the main house to a workshed. The light turns on from the inside and beams through the rickety wood paneling. This concludes part eight of the greatest Christmas story ever told. See, I told you the parts didn't mean anything. Just keep listening. It keeps getting better and better, I promise. Part nine. Maybe the last part I call out, but we'll see. Now we're in an Italian restaurant. Checkered tablecloths, low lighting. Max Morrow eats lasagna in a booth near the back. Goldman walks in and looks around. He goes and sits across from Morrow. Now tell me what this is all about. I've been researching ocean currents. What does that have to do with anything? I've found evidence of a widespread evacuation from the North Pole. They got in rafts and went their separate ways. That means Santa could be anywhere. True. And not true. You said the elf you'd captured was tiny. Isn't that so? Correct. Well, I've discovered a pileup of unclaimed inflatable rafts. Max pulls out a map. He points to some circled areas. Here, 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 and here. But with Santa's weight being much greater than the elves, I believe he would have traveled on a stronger current. Max pulls out a pen. He draws the currents. The weaker currents correspond to where I found the rafts, and the only stronger current that picks up from the Arctic Circle. Max draws a line to the Gulf of Mexico. Ends here. Goldman leans back and taps his fingers on the table. He reaches into his pocket and removes a stack of money. Good. Goldman sets the stack of money on the table and slides it towards Max. Max Morrow smiles and returns to his lasagna. We interrupt this lasagna for breaking news. At first suspected to be gang taggings, images of spray-painted Santa Claus have been popping up on walls in many major cities as well as minor ones. The words beneath it read... I believe in Santa Claus. After the Christmas poisonings of last season, some officials are calling these images a threat. In related news, Toymaker Worldwide has just released a new line of toys that hitches its success on a different view of old St. Nick. A reporter stands at a news desk with various Santa toys, speaking with Alden. I'm here with Alden Jackson, the new head of toy production at Toymaker Worldwide. Can you tell us what we're looking at? Certainly, Connie. We've got the Punch-A-Santa, which is an inflatable punching bag with Santa's stupid face on it. We've also got a super fun board game called Santa Payback, where you infect Santa Claus with the toxins from the fun game from last Christmas. The kids will love the whole anti-Santa line. We guarantee it. You heard it here first. Anti-Santa toys are available now. Back to you, Don. Thanks, Connie. Some skeptics on our research team initially thought there would be no market for toys like these, but they said once they got their hands on them, they couldn't stop playing. Back at the small-town Texas diner, 
Jane rolls some silverware into napkins. A horn honks. She looks outside and sees Santa in a red suburban. He waves. Well, hello, stranger. Good morning, Jane. Where did you get this ride? It was parked behind the shed. <laughs> Listen, I have to show you something. Well, what is it? It's a surprise. Wait till my shift ends at noon. Then you can surprise me all you want. Ho, ho, ho! Jane looks at Santa, a little confused. Uh, what was that? You made me laugh. <laughs> Santa drives off. A person sits on the bench with a newspaper raised in front of their face. He lowers the paper and watches Santa's suburban. The person pulls out a can of spray paint and holds up the Santa cutout stencil. He tags a wall. It reads, I believe in Santa Claus. After Jane's shift, she meets Santa at the Prancer residence. He walks her to the shed. I must have made it in my sleep. It made me think of you. Why's that? I don't know, because uh, it's beautiful. Santa opens the door. Jane's mouth drops open. It's a big, freaking huge Rube Goldberg device. Complicated, irrational, and beautiful. Jane touches it. <gasps> and what does it do? I don't really know. This morning, I pushed a button once, and it made me a cup of coffee. <laughs> and then I pushed it again, and it made chocolate chip cookies. Jane pushes the button. The machine kicks into action. She watches in wonderment as a thousand things happen in perfect succession. A puppy falls out of the machine. Jane's eyes twinkle. She picks up the puppy and cuddles it. Oh, I've always wanted one of these. <laughs> a tear rolls down Jane's face. Promise me when you remember who you are, you won't forget about me. I promise. Back in New York City, the hustle and bustle continues. Madison walks down the street, her arms stacked with boxes yet again. She runs into someone and the boxes fall yet again. It's Alden. Watch where you're going. Madison perks up when she sees it's him. <laughs> we have to stop meeting like this. It's getting old. Right, right. Um, did you get my messages? I've always been a businessman, Madison, and that's what I'm meant to be. I don't have time for love. There's always time for love. I'm late for a meeting. Alden walks off. Madison picks up her boxes in the street. Her phone rings. She answers. Hi, Mom. Yeah, it's not a good time right now. Um, well, I'll see you soon, okay? We're excited to visit. Okay, bye-bye. Alden did have a meeting. He wasn't lying. This is that meeting. Click. Alden presents a PowerPoint. A long table is lined with people who look like they have too much money. As a result of the launch of the anti-Santa campaign, our sales have skyrocketed in the first two quarters of the fiscal year. But that's not the half of it. Alden clicks to the next slide. We've arranged to buy up all of the foreclosed North Pole Incorporated factories for pennies on the dollar. With your help, this expansion will make Toymaker Worldwide a monopoly in the toy game. Click. Our analysts have projected the path of our stocks over the next 10 years, and the results are breathtaking. For every dollar you invest today, you will be making thousands, minimum. The board applauds. Goldman sits at the other side of the table. Now let's get out those checkbooks, shall we? Meanwhile, some private investigating is in full force. Max Morrow drives a speedboat along the shoreline. He raises a pair of binoculars. A deflated boat sits tangled in some brush. Bingo. 
Max steers the boat toward the sand. Max lifts the edge of the limp boat with his hands. He looks around. Nothing. He walks around the area. He sees a white puff stuck in the sand. Max grabs it. Stuck. He pulls harder. A red Santa hat emerges. Double bingo. Now, hot on Santa's tracks, Max walks down the main road of the small Texas town. His stomach grumbles. The diner sits in view. Ding. One omelet coming up. Max eats the omelet with tactical precision. Jane comes over with the check. Thank you. Oh, no problem, sir. If you don't mind me asking, you're not from around here, are you? Thank God, no. But you might be able to help me. How do you mean? A lot of people pass through here, I imagine. The regulars, I mean. So you would notice when someone came along who didn't belong. I pegged you, didn't I? Exactly. Do you remember anyone passing through a few months ago who was an older gentleman with a white beard, white hair, and a kind disposition? Jane eyes Max cautiously. That doesn't sound familiar. Minutes later, Jane knocks loudly on the door at the Prancer residence. Santa answers. I think somebody's looking for you. What do you mean? I didn't like him. You guys should come with me. Santa grabs the baby elf and some things. Jane loads baby elf into the back seat. She looks up and sees a reindeer flying. She buckles the baby elf in and shakes her head, doing a double take. She looks back. The reindeer is grazing normally with some others. Jane gets in the car. Are you okay? I thought I saw something, that's all. They all get to Jane's house, and Jane is fully focused. She drops a plastic bag onto the table. Santa opens it. What's all this? The man said he was looking for an old man with white hair and a beard. She pulls out a razor and a tube of hair dye. And since you can't change your age, I thought we could fix the other two. Santa rubs his beard. Mm. For some reason, I feel like this beard has been important to me for quite some time. Safety first. Jane clips Santa's hair short. She puts on plastic gloves and squirts the hair dye on them. She runs the gloves through Santa's hair. She puts a shower cap on his head. Santa shaves his beard. The timer dings. Jane rinses out the excess dye. Did you hear something? Jane stops. A small sound comes from the living room. Santa grabs a towel and dries his hair. He motions for Jane to be quiet. He walks out. The sound happens again. Jane, come here! Jane walks in and sees Santa holding the baby elf clean-shaven with black hair. Santa tickles the baby elf's nose. It squeaks with laughter. Say it again! Santa? Oh my god, that is so precious. Jane looks to her new puppy running around on the floor. I'm gonna name you Santa, little pup. <laughs> at that same moment, back at the Prancer residence, Max Morrow walks around the perimeter of the house, flashing a flashlight inside. Max sees the shed and opens it. He turns on the light and sees the machine. Hmm. Max pushes the button. It creaks and moves slowly. A lump of coal drops out. Worthless. This concludes part nine of the greatest Christmas story ever told. Part ten is a banger. It's got ironic situational comedy, toy production drama, and the moment you've been waiting for, even if you didn't know it. Part ten. I believe in Santa Claus. Ring, ring. Goldman's cell phone rings in the middle of a swanky dinner party. Uh, excuse me, Beyonce, I have to take this. Goldman heads to a quiet spot. He answers. Hello, Max. Mr. Goldman, I found Santa's escape boat, but my one good lead just dead-ended. 
Fine, fine. I have a friend who has gotten his hands on some of the infected fun game boxes, and I was going to try and make some sense out of them. He says scientific proof will be time-intensive, but he can track down where they came from and who they were sold to. It might just be the break we need. You know what, Max? Santa is yesterday's news. You'll get your full pay plus a sizable bonus. Come back and forget about the case. Today, Toymaker Worldwide became much more important than Santa will ever be. Max hangs up the phone. So does Goldman. Max taps his phone on the roof of his car, thinking. Now why wouldn't you want me to see this through? Max gets in his car and drives off of the Prancer residence property. The reindeer watch him go, hiding behind some trees. Back in New York City, Alden has been at another party, not as classy as the one Goldman was at. Outside of Alden's apartment, Alden and an attractive lady stumble up his stairs. He reaches into his pocket and takes out a bottle of champagne. I took it! <laughs> Alden leans her up against the wall and kisses her. I'm glad you're here with me tonight, Madison. My name's not Madison. Tonight it is. <laughs> he kisses her neck and she gets into it. He kicks open the door and they stumble in. A couple weeks go by and it's approaching middle of the year. Jane has been a sport, continuing to open her home to Santa and the baby elf. But honestly, it's starting to take a toll on her financially. That morning, Jane fries an egg. Santa walks in with black hair and no beard, his nose twitching. Mmm, smells delicious. I can make you one this time, but you're gonna need to learn how to stand on your own two feet. What do you mean? What I mean is, I can't support two new mouths in my house on a waitress's salary. But we had everything we needed back at the house. And you can't go back there until we know it's safe. Jane hands Santa a newspaper. I'm sure you can find something. Santa looks through the job postings. He runs his finger down the page. He stops. Mm. Mm. No experience necessary. <laughs> That's me. Later, Santa's locked in an interview. He's in a small office, and the boss man sits across from Santa Claus. We usually try to hire someone with the look we need, but you're the only person we've had apply. I understand. Don't expect too many visitors, all things considered, but it's a tradition, and keeping traditions means something. Santa nods. Job secured. Moments later, Santa walks out, and he's in a department store in a shopping mall. Banners announce this month's promotion, Christmas in July. A gaudy display sits in the middle of the store. Big cardboard gifts covered in shiny wrapping paper and bows. Fake snow and a big red pole that reads, North Pole. A big leather recliner sits inside the display. Santa sits in it, wearing a poorly made Santa suit and a terrible fake beard. Baby Elf sits to his side in a cheap green elf costume. A woman and a child walk by. Santa waves. Ho, ho, ho! Merry Christmas in July! The child sticks his tongue out at Santa and keeps walking. Santa looks out to the toy section. There's a large display titled Anti-Santa. Naughty is the new nice. A kid is beating the crap out of a Santa punching bag. Oh my. Toymaker Worldwide has expanded and their production facility looks like what you would imagine Amazon Prime distribution centers are like, mixed with one of those How It's Made episodes inside a hot sauce factory or something. 
A long line of employees package toys and they make their way to the last employee. He squeezes a tube and a drop of ooze falls out. He smears it on the seal of the package. He gets another toy and squeezes the tube. Nothing comes out. He rattles it and squeezes it again. Uh, guys? Everyone looks up at him and he walks over to the big red button on the wall. He pushes it and all of their machines come to a screeching halt. A red light flashes. Alden walks out onto the floor. You never stop production. But, but... But what? We're all out. Alden reaches for the tube and squeezes it. Nothing comes out. Alden squeezes it some more. Alden addresses the rest of the room. You have the rest of the day off. Come back regular time tomorrow morning. Moments later, we're in Alden's luxury car, clearly an upgrade from his money-mongering. Alden honks the horn as he holds his phone to his ear. I'm on my way to make more of the saliva candy cane mixture. I'll be there by nightfall. Good. Back at the Texas department store, worlds collide as Madison visits her mother in the same small Texas town that Santa is staying in. A Buick parks in the parking lot outside the store. Madison's mother gets out of the car. So do Madison and Justin. Okay, so we have to be fast. We don't want to miss our flight, guys. Don't be such a worry wart, Madison. New York City will be there when you get back. Ah, uh, mother. Don't ugh, mother me. Can't the grandmother get her grandson a present? Justin runs ahead into the department store, and Madison and her mother follow. He sees the North Pole display and tugs on Madison's blouse. Please gonna go talk to Santa. I don't know, honey. I Please. Go ahead, Justin. Justin runs to Santa and sits on his lap. Well, hello there, little one. Hi, Santa. What do you want for Christmas in July? I don't want anything. I just wanted you to know that I still believe in you no matter what. Justin leans in and hugs Santa. Santa's face twitches like a shock to the heart. Memories flood back like a tsunami. Making my list and checking it twice. Another great year, Santa. Christmas with you is always a dream come true. Gonna find out who's naughty or nice. You're everything to me, Kris Kringle. Santa Claus, I mean, <laughs> I am coming to town. Crack, splash, rumble. Mrs. Claus gets covered in ice, dead. No! Santa sees Dancer, captured. I don't believe in Santa Claus! Whoosh. Santa snaps out of it, Justin still seated on his lap. He pats Justin on the head. <laughs> Thank you, Justin, and I will believe in you always. That's why Christmas is a holiday worth fighting for. Justin hugs Santa. Wait, how did you know my name? Because the real Santa Claus knows everyone's name. That evening, Santa goes back to the Prancer residence. Santa gets out of his Suburban with the baby elf in hand. Santa walks up the driveway and opens the door to the house. He's still wearing his mall Santa outfit. Santa turns on the lights. He stops. Over 200 people stand cramped in the house. What's the meaning of all this? Terry pushes his way to the front of the crowd. He's the mastermind of this organization. We all believe in you, sir. We're here to help. Terry holds up the paper cutout stencil with the I Believe in Santa Claus picture on it. He puts it down and cocks his head to the side. Terry grabs Santa's fake beard and takes it off. Are you sure you're the real Santa Claus? Santa holds up a jingle bell 
and jingles it. He walks outside. The people flood out of the house, following. They see eight reindeer fly up to Santa and settle down. I'm positive. In one magical moment, Santa's beard grows back immediately. Whoa, sugar cookies. <laughs> and his hair turns bright white. <laughs> this concludes part 10 of the greatest Christmas story ever told. Santa's got his memory back. That means it's business time. So stay with us for more. Part 11. Operation Assemble the Elves. Jingle jingle. The sound of Santa's bells can be heard by all of the reindeer, no matter where they are in the world. The first time you hear it, you get super speed and can meet Santa in seconds. The second time you hear it, if you don't respond, you can unlock super strength. At the Toymaker Worldwide Warehouse, where Happy and Dancer are being held captive, Alden is hard at work trying to extract Dancer's saliva. Dancer thrashes around like a maniac. Santa just activated his super strength from thousands of miles away with a single jingle. Make him stop. I can't. Dancer bangs against his cage and a bolt pops up from the ground. He bangs again. Another bolt. Again. 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 Dancer's cage separates from the floor. He levitates with the cage and smashes it into Alden and knocks him over. Alden falls back, unconscious. Break my shackles and I'll unlock you! Dancer flies fast toward Happy, chained against the wall. Happy cringes and lowers her head as Dancer flies into her. Smash! Happy's arms are free. Uh, ah! Dancer's cage falls to the floor. Uh, uh. Happy crawls towards Alden's body. His keys visible in his pocket. Jackpot. Happy makes it a half inch away. Clink. The chains on her legs are stretched completely. Happy closes her eyes and makes her hand stretch as far as it can. <sighs> Think tall, Happy. Happy reaches. Her arms strain. A drop of sweat drips down her brow. Jingle. She's got the keys. Happy flips through the key ring and finds the one for her legs. Click, click. She's free! Got it! Happy runs over to Dancer's cage and unlocks the door. Dancer jumps out and flies around the room. Come on, Dancer. Let's get some fresh air. Dancer kneels and lets Happy jump on his back. Happy looks to Alden on the floor. Wait, Dancer! There's good inside him. I know it! Happy jumps off of Dancer and grabs Alden. She hoists him on Dancer's back and climbs up. Let's fly! Dancer makes a running start and flies through the window, glass bursting in slow motion looking epic as hell. Dancer flies through the night sky, bounding at warp speed. And just like that, Dancer lands in the middle of all of the other reindeer at the Prancer residence. They nuzzle him, and Donner even gives him a high five. Happy swings open the door and sees Santa among the others. Boy, am I happy to see you. Santa hugs Happy. Mmm, boy, oh, we have a plan to get all the elves back together. But... But nothing! We're seven months behind schedule, and people need a Merry Christmas whether they know it or not. You said it, Santa. Back in Max Morrow's office, Max opens a large package on his desk. It includes two fun game boxes and a note. The note reads, These are two unopened fun games from the same store in Los Angeles. Hope it helps. Max pulls out some protective gloves and inspects the boxes. He opens them and rubs a game piece against a wool cloth. The cloth from the game on the left turns black and shrivels. The other doesn't do anything. One good, one bad. Max gets out his magnifying glass and looks at the packaging. He sees that the game on the right has a faint mark of a kiss. 
Interesting. Now, since Terry's first talk show interview about Santa Claus, he has become big time. Millions of Facebook followers, a brandable Santa street tag licensed to Urban Outfitters for hipster-friendly shirts, and an agent. Terry's agent just booked the most important guest spot of his life. Terry's going into the late show to save Christmas once and for all. Stephen Colbert sits at his desk with the live studio audience watching. Apologies in advance, we didn't cast the actual Stephen Colbert. But first, we have a very special guest, and I guess I should tell you why this guy is even on the show. His name is Terry Fitzgibbons, and he contacted us and said he had a machine that could make all of your dreams come true. Well, here he comes, everybody. Give it up for Terry Fitzgibbons! Terry walks from backstage, pulling a flat with Santa's Rube Goldberg device on top of it. Stephen gets out of his chair and walks over to it and laughs. Nice to meet you, Terry. Same here, Stephen. How does this thing work, Terry? Ah, well, you just push the button and it goes to work. And then plop, your dream has come true. Do you want to push the button? Stephen looks to the crowd and they all cheer. Stephen laughs. I'm trying to think of an appropriate dream. Stephen puts his hand on the button. Here we go. He pushes it. The machine goes into action. The crowd oohs. Clink. A little roll of paper falls out. Stephen picks it up and reads it. To all the elves in the world, come to where you hear the bells tolling. Stephen laughs. John Batiste leans into his mic. Was that your dream, Stephen? Uh, no. No, it was not. Give it another try. Stephen pushes the button. The machine goes to work and a nice bottle of bourbon drops out. Stephen laughs and holds it up to the audience. Bourbon! A true gift! Everyone cheers. Terry Fitzgibbons, everyone. Terry waves and walks off stage, pulling the machine. And remember, to all the elves in the world, come to where you hear the bells tolling. Everyone laughs. Back at the Prancer residence, Santa stands in front of a giant bell and hits it with a hammer. It tolls beautifully. It's beautiful, Santa. A group of people from the I Believe in Santa Claus group stand nearby. Do you hear anything? No. I think only elves can hear it. First, an elf works on a heel in a shoe repair shop and hears the bell. He looks up. Then, a crowd of elves in little fuzzy creature costumes hear the bell on a movie set. They remove their masks and look up. In perfect synchronicity, all of the elves pull out a small pouch and reach in and sprinkle gold dust over their heads. Whoosh! They all fly straight up into the sky. Thousands of elves from all over fly through the sky, all headed towards the sound of the bell. At the Prancer residence, tons of elves enter from the road, walking up the long driveway to the house. Santa silences the bell. Elves and I Believe in Santa Claus members unite. Welcome, everyone! Welcome! You have traveled long and far to be here, and your commitment to our cause is outstanding. But we have a long road ahead of us. Terry brings out a large item covered in white cloth. Together, we are family, and families can do anything. These fine people around me will help you make your way to our new home. I will be going ahead to market. Santa pulls the white cloth. It's a big candy cane striped pole that says the South Pole. All the elves cheer. The reindeer fly down with Santa's red suburban tied to them instead of a sleigh. To a new beginning! <laughs> Santa gets in and the reindeer fly off into the night sky. Bang, bang, bang. Santa hammers the South Pole into the ground in the Antarctic. Terry hands out the plane tickets to all of the elves. 
Why don't we just fly straight to the South Pole? I, uh, I, I already coordinate the travel arrangements. Non-refundable. And I think it makes for a more powerful montage, huh? I think it will too, Terry. There's nothing better than a good visual montage. Meanwhile, at Jane's house, she's been alone, missing the company of Santa and the baby elf. She sifts through her mail and sees a golden letter. She opens it. It reads, I remember who I am, and I haven't forgotten about you. Jane smiles. At the same time, in a toy store's loading dock, Max Morrow talks to the manager. When did you get the first shipment? About an hour before the second. Do those security cameras work? Yes, they do. All of the elves and Terry are at the same international terminal. They're running through it like the McAllisters in Home Alone, but there's thousands of little elves and elf hats. Terry makes it to the counter. We're on the next 40 planes to southern Chile. I mean, Chile. At Toymaker Worldwide, an office assistant walks into Goldman's office. Our numbers are falling, sir. Attach a piece of candy to every box now! At the South Pole, the reindeer pile up tons of trees. Santa marks the ground with the outline of the new town. This will do nicely. Somewhere else, Max Morrow meets with Computer Tom, who has a six-monitor setup and eats terabytes for breakfast. Is there any way to track where this truck came from? There's always a way. I'll have to tap into the satellites. How long will it take? Could take a while. Then let's get started. All of the elves wait in front of three giant cruise ships. Terry goes up to the ticket counter. I believe those are waiting for us. The cruise ships all reach the South Pole. All of the elves run up to Santa. They get to work. At the South Pole, in a comfy-looking room, Alden wakes up with a bandage on his forehead. Terry sits by his side. Where am I? Where Toymaker Worldwide can't get you. Uh, by the way, who's Madison? You kept mumbling it in your sleep. It's good to see you, Terry. Do you have any hot chocolate? Of course! There's always time for hot chocolate. Right then, a reindeer flies a beam up to the roof at the South Pole. An elf bolts it in. That's the last one, everyone! That night, Santa sits by his fireplace, and Mrs. Claus appears beside him in a vision. She kisses Santa on the cheek and fades away. No, no. Come in. Terry walks in. Santa? Thank you for everything, Terry. It was my pleasure. You've been requested outside. Terry opens the door, and Santa walks out into the middle of town. A tear runs down Santa's face. All of the elves are holding candles and are gathered around a big portrait of Mrs. Claus. They start to sing. Silent night, holy night. Happy stands at the podium by Mrs. Claus's portrait. Words can't express what such a loss feels like. Mrs. Claus was like a mother to thousands, and she was as genuine as they come. Santa takes the podium. Oh, this is hard. I told her last year that I thought it was going to be the best Christmas ever, but it didn't turn out that way. I think we owe it to her to fulfill that promise. Let's teach Herbert F.W. Goldman how we fight back. With love! This concludes part 11 of the greatest Christmas story ever told. I'm back on board with these parts. At least, this time it felt like it gave Santa's last words some more emotional weight. Part 12. 
for Mrs. Claus. A calendar flips from July, August, September, October, November, and finally lands on December. Special news report. It's hard to believe it's almost Christmas again, and as the numbers indicate, consumers think it's much too soon. Toy sales have dropped dramatically for the toy giant toy maker worldwide, despite an expected skyrocketing due to the collapse of North Pole Incorporated. Was last year's catastrophe a turning point for the toy market, or has toy maker worldwide's appeal waned so quickly? Mr. Goldman, do you have a comment about your market's current condition? No comment. In an epic grassroots campaign, unmarked white vans stop in the street. Members of I Believe in Santa Claus put letters in every mailbox. Every person gets a letter, from young to old. They open the letters and read. Dear Cindy. Dear, Dear, Dear Gerald, it's Santa Claus, and I need your help. On Christmas Eve, a manila envelope slides under the door at Max Morrow's office. Max opens it. It reads, Here's where the truck left from. The Toymaker Worldwide Corporation building. Hope it helps. Merry Christmas. Max grabs his jacket. He hired me to find justice, and it's coming. Max walks with an epic pace through the middle of the city street. Cars crowd around him, honking and piling up as he goes. Max sneaks into a back entrance at Toymaker Worldwide. He two steps up the stairs. Max knocks on Goldman's office doors. Come in. Ah, well, if it isn't Max Morrow, I was expecting you sooner. I got tied up. Goldman reaches for his checkbook. How much was it that I owed you again? I believe it was zero dollars and zero cents. Excuse me? I don't want your dirty money, Mr. Goldman. I'm here to make a citizen's arrest. Oh, on what grounds? I have undeniable proof of your involvement in the fun game poisonings. Video, satellite, sign confessions, you name it. Mm-hmm. And have you notified the police? I'll notify them while they're locking you up. Goldman pushes a button on his desk. A blue electric field grabs hold of Max's feet. Max Morrow tries to move his feet, but he can't. That will be hard to do if you can't walk. Goldman walks up to Max and reaches into his pockets and throws out his cell phone and wallet. A guard bursts in. Sir, you're needed outside. It can wait! Uh, I don't think it can wait, sir. Look. Goldman goes to his window and looks outside. The streets are filled with people holding candles as far as the eye can see. Literally millions of people. I'll be right down. Goldman grabs his coat. He looks at Max. Now, don't you go anywhere. Oh, wait. You can't even if you wanted to. <laughs> Goldman walks out the front of Toymaker Worldwide and faces the crowd. What's the meaning of all this? Silence. I said, what's the meaning of all this? Murmuring comes from the crowd. Little Justin makes his way through the crowd, holding a present above his head. People let him through. It's for you, Mr. Goldman. From all of us. Goldman opens it. There's nothing inside. What is this? There's nothing in here. That's because Christmas isn't something you receive, Mr. Goldman. It's something you feel. Inside. The crowd starts singing, Oh, Holy Night, and a pulse of positive energy rushes through the street and hits Goldman right in the heart. The entire city loses electricity like an EMP just went off, but with love. 
Goldman stumbles back and starts to fall to the ground, and a visual assault of love, laughter, and Christmas mornings hit him in the face, like when the Grinch's heart grew or when the food critic ate his first bite of ratatouille and ratatouille. Goldman hits the ground and his eyes open with a twinkle. Justin looks to the sky and sees Santa suburban and reindeer. All of the lights in the city turn back on as Santa flies past. Santa's here! The crowd parts like the Red Sea, and Santa touches down. He gets out and walks towards Goldman. Ho, 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 Merry Christmas, everyone! The crowd cheers. Santa makes it up to Goldman and pats him on the back. Forgiveness is the greatest gift of them all. Tears run down Goldman's face, and he hugs Santa. Goldman turns to the crowd. <laughs> <laughs> and my gift to you is a promise. I promise that greed will never take over Toymaker Worldwide ever again. I would like to publicly announce that I am giving all of my assets, my manufacturing facilities, everything over to this wonderful man right here, Santa Claus. The crowd cheers. It's being broadcast live from every news station around the world. Are you sure about this? <laughs> I've built something bad, and you've built something good. I'm certain. Santa and Goldman shake hands, sealing the deal. Right. Max Morrow sprints up to the podium, out of breath, with handcuffs in hand. Your shackles can't hold me when the power goes out. I'm... Max notices the crowd reads the room, and looks to Santa. So, justice is served? Yes, it is. It's served with a hot cup of eggnog and hope for a better tomorrow. But he should still go to jail, right? Yes, obviously. Max nods and handcuffs Goldman. Those are good and tight, yeah? Goldman holds his arms up to the crowd. Merry Christmas to all! <laughs> Ow, that's tight. Santa turns to the crowd. And to all a good night. <laughs> well, I have to get going. I have all of your houses to visit, and the clock is ticking. Santa walks back to his suburban. He opens the door and sits. Hi, Santa. Santa turns and sees Jane sitting in the passenger seat, holding her puppy. She's smiling ear to ear. Are you talking to me or the puppy? Come on, we've got some presents to deliver. They fly off. Santa waves to the people below. Ho, 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 ho! Merry Christmas! Right then, Santa sprinkles a massive amount of magical gold dust all over the crowd. Whoa! Awesome! The crowd sparkles, and everyone levitates off the ground. People start flying around, and couples slow dance in the air. Justin takes Madison's hand, and she runs into a man holding some boxes. Oh! It's Alden. We need to stop meeting like this. Bad? Aren't you going to be late for a meeting or something? Someone once told me there's always time for love. <laughs> Alden and Madison kiss. <laughs> People continue to dance in the air. Kids fly after one another. A star twinkles in the night. This is the best Christmas ever. There's one last part, and it's like one of those bonus post-credit scenes. Suddenly, we're back in Texas at the Prancer residence. Screech! A taxi stops in front of the driveway of the Prancer residence, and Rudolph Prancer, a white-bearded man wearing a Hawaiian t-shirt, gets out of the car. 
He walks to his front door and sees that his yard is smashed and torn apart. What's going on here? He reaches his front door. It's unlocked. He pushes it open. A note sits next to a glass of milk and a cookie. Rudolph opens it. Please excuse the mess. I left something for you in the shed as compensation. Sincerely, Santa Claus. He walks to the shed and reveals the giant machine. Rudolph presses the button on the Rube Goldberg device and it pours out thousands of pure gold coins. <laughs> Wonderful! And that concludes the greatest Christmas story ever told. Twelve parts, just like the 12 days of Christmas. Totally planned that. The end. 